0: Thanks for tuning in to the Link Church podcast. Link Church is located in Charlotte, North Carolina, and is committed to linking people to the life-changing power of Jesus Christ. So I've got a lot to talk about, and I hope I can get through all of it. If you would stand and turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 6, or just look at the screen. It should be coming up Mark chapter 6. We're going to be reading from verse 33. Ah, It's a long one down to 44. I pray that most of you know this story and that'll make it easier to preach. Uh, Maybe I'll get through all of it but we'll see what happens. But it begins at verse 33 and it says, but the multitudes saw them departing, that is Jesus and his disciples, and many knew him And ran there on foot from all the cities. They arrived before them and came together to him. And Jesus, when he came out, saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them. Because they were like sheep, not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. When the day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place. And already the hour is late. Send them away that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. But Jesus answered and said unto them, you give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? But he said unto them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said, Five and two fish. Then he commanded them to to make them sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in ranks in hundreds and in fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven, blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And the two fish he divided among them all. So they all ate and were filled and they took up 12 baskets full of fragments and of the fish. Let me stop right there. Today, I'd like to speak from the subject entitled it's simple economics. It is simple economics economics. Remain standing. We're going to pray. Father, we thank you today for your word. Your word brings life. It brings light. Do a mighty work today, God, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. It is simple economics. We want to talk today about the five loaves and the two fish. And we want to really talk about this scene that is painted here, because I think we can learn some truths about how we can make a difference. Because your purpose is not for you, but we have talked about connecting to God. We've talked about building your purpose. But now we want to talk about how you can make a difference. What are you good at? What are you passionate about? And how God can use that to make a difference And in this text, we have Jesus, who, when he looks at the multitude, Jesus says to himself, "I've got to teach these people because they are running from all of these cities to come and hear me teach." Now, after Jesus has taught for hours, after he has taught rather for hours and for hours, he looks and he notices that the people are hungry. Well, his disciples say we ought to send these people away because they are so hungry. They need to go back into town and they need to buy food. Jesus looks at them interestingly, and he looks at the multitude. The Bible says as sheep having no shepherd. I think that is critical that when Jesus looks at them, if you could put up verse 34 Um, Jesus looks at them and he says, they are like sheep without a shepherd. It says there in the text that Jesus was moved with compassion because they did not have a shepherd. And I want to say that perhaps the church has lost its compassion. That maybe we are so elite and pompous in how God has blessed us. That we have, don't have the sensitivity and the discerning spirit to realize that there are a multitude of people out there that are in need of Jesus. And have we been so consumed with what God wants to do in us that we have lost our ability to see those that are in need of Jesus. When the disciples look at the multitude, they're ready to send them away. They're ready to, to have them go back to their homes. But when Jesus looks at them, the Bible says he is moved with compassion. And, and, and perhaps our, our, our compassion has been drained by life. It's been drained by our circumstances or it's been drained by our prior church experiences. And we are no longer compassionate enough for towards those that are on the outside. When you look at those that cross your path, do you have enough compassion? Have you lost your compassion and your ability to see those that are right in front of you? Are you moved with empathy or apathy? Has your anointing become apathetic instead of empathetic? Because God wants your purpose and your ability to make a difference to be filled and driven by empathy. Do you feel what your coworker is going through? Not do you see them, but can you feel? feel that they are struggling? Can you feel that they are depressed? Can you feel that that person in the grocery store is in need of a little bit of assistance? And it's not that you are so financially well off, but you're willing to give a few dollars that you have to that person that is in need because you are moved with compassion. And we have a bunch of people in our city and in our communities that are like sheep without a shepherd. They are not driven and and moved and led by Jesus. They are wandering through life. They are wandering in their depression. They are wandering with thoughts of suicide. They are wandering like sheep without a shepherd. And maybe God has called you. To be filled with compassion for them. Why is your heart so blackened? Has the hurt and and the backstabbing that you've experienced in your life turned you off from helping somebody else? What in your life experience has caused you to be so hardened and so callous? that, That you are so callous that now you cannot have compassion for somebody else you see the juxtaposition in the text between the disciples mood and Jesus' mood Jesus is filled with compassion but yet the disciples want to send the multitude away who is coming to you with their problems their issues and God has given you the ability to make a difference in their life but you're continuously sending people away Oh, I want to bring you all to the text because it says in the Bible that the disciples wanted to send the multitude away because they realized that the people were hungry. You have a community, a city, a neighborhood, a job filled with people that are hungry for God. Oh, hell, maybe it's just me. They are hungry for God. And, you know, they're hungry for God because they are searching and people search for God in many different ways. They search for God and search for purpose and search for answers. But instead, they find answers in an alcohol bottle or they find answers in a joint. Or they find answers in the club. And they keep searching because they're really not searching for those vices. They're searching for God. And the people, the multitude in front of Jesus are hungry. And can you imagine that the disciples want to send them back into the villages for them to buy their own food. And get food their own way. But I think this text is powerful guys. About how God wants to really ignite our ability to make a difference. Because why are you always referring somebody to another person? Okay, alright. Why, when somebody comes to you and you can feel that maybe just your word of encouragement would help them. Why do you always feel inadequate? Why do you feel like it's better for them to go away to the pastor or go away to that missionary or go away to that preacher when God has equipped you to make the difference in their life? And and how long are you going to refer Somebody to another place to get what they need. When God has given you the gifts, the ability, the purpose, and the talents to give them what they need. Oh, I want, I want to drill that in your spirit today. I want to stamp that and brand it in your heart. Because God wants to empower you. He wants you to know that your gift... Your ability and your purpose can make the difference. I want to pull it up in the text. He says in verse 37, if you can put up verse 37. When the disciples realize that the people are hungry, they say, hey, let's send them into the village for them to buy something to eat. But Jesus turns back to them and says, you give them something to eat. Oh, maybe this isn't for everybody today, but there's somebody in this room that God has been speaking to you and saying you give them something to eat. Stop sending them away to somebody else and maybe they're not receiving what they need because you have what they need. I want to speak to your purpose and say God has equipped you and given you everything that you need in order to make a difference in somebody else's life. And how long are you going to push somebody away and refer them to somewhere else when God is saying you give them something to eat because you have the power to feed them. (laughs) you've got the power within you to feed them. It's in you. Turn to your neighbor quickly and say, it's in you. Yeah, yeah, it's in you. Not in your friend, not in the pastor, but it's in you. Your purpose, your, your ability, what God has invested in you, it's right there. But the disciples don't know it. They don't know that they have the ability to feed the multitude that is hungry. And I believe that that you're coming across people and opportunities. And you're saying, God, there's no way that I can do this. But God wants you to know that you have got to feed them. Just like in our backdrop today, there is a hand that is coming out of a a grassy area and this hand is outstretched because maybe we're not seeing all the hands that we that are around us every day of our lives that are raising that are outstretched and saying, please, will somebody feed me? Will somebody bring me to a place where I can experience God? Will somebody just tell me that you are praying for me? Will somebody hold my hand and walk me through my experience? Will somebody send me a message on Facebook to encourage me? <laughs> will, will, will somebody meet the need of the hands that are outstretched? You've got to feed them. Yeah. Stop trying to go out and ask people to buy what God has already provided right here. I want to tell you what God needs to make a difference in this community, in this city is right here in this room. All of what God needs is right here. It is it is in this room. It's not on the street. You can't go buy it. But God has already given it to you and put it in you. And they are in this deserted place. Now, if you understand the backdrop of the story, you will realize that they are in a deserted place. I want to make that clear. They're in this deserted place. And the reason why the disciples feel like they can't give them food is because this area This ground, this place, this environment is deserted. How can God ask us to feed out of a deserted place? All right. Y'all ain't with me today. How can God ask you to give power out of your pain? How can God ask you to bless somebody when you need a blessing yourself? (laughs) The the disciples and Jesus are in a deserted area. There is no food in sight. They have 5,000 men in front of them, not including women and children. How are they going to feed them? Where are they going to get the food from? It is deserted. It is, it is deserted. So in verse 35, I'm going to show it to y'all, because y'all don't believe me. Uh, if you could put up verse 35. Um, the, the, after they had been teaching, Jesus had been teaching, his disciples said, this is a deserted place and, and the hour is late. Now, if you go to verse 39, I want to show you verse 39, because when Jesus decided that the food was available to right where they were. He commanded them to sit down in groups on the green grass. Now, I just showed you in verse 35 that the place was deserted. But in verse 39, Jesus says, take the multitude and sit them down in green grass. Now, for all my Bible readers, Is it deserted or is it fertile? Is the place deserted or it's fertile? Because in the beginning of the text, Jesus and the disciples call the area deserted. But when he asks them to sit the multitude down, he tells them to sit down in grass. Wait, not just grass, green grass. So if it, the grass is green, that's telling me that somehow the area is not deserted. Well, is it deserted? Jesus said it was deserted. Or is it fertile? Y'all tell me, cause I'm confused in the text. I'm working through this as I'm preparing and I'm trying to decide is the area fertile or is it deserted? Because one part of the text says it's deserted, another part of the text says they're green grass. And if there's green grass, then surely something can grow in that area. Y'all got to preach with me here. Ah, is it deserted or is it fertile? Is your life deserted or is it fertile Hmm. are you are you all the way broke or are you all the way wealthy Hmm. are you in a place where everything is green and fertile or are you in a place where everything is deserted which one is it God and I pray to God and I'm trying to get an answer and the answer I got out of the text is that the text says it's both Y'all got to preach with me here that the text says it's both deserted and green. And I want to tell you that that your life is both deserted and fertile. Oh, that God will place you in a point in your life or a place in your life where you are both deserted and fertile. That your finances aren't working, but you're not all the way broke. That you can't pay for your car, but you got enough money for the rent. Mm -hmm. That you are sick in your body, but you still can go to work and go to church. You're deserted in one area, but you're fertile in another. And I believe that most people in this room, including me, on some days you feel deserted, but on another day you feel fertile on one day you feel down on the other day you feel happy on one day God is not it seems like he's not with you the next day you feel like God is all over you and he comes through in a mighty way is there anybody in here that feels like oh you're in both places you're deserted and you're fertile and I want to tell you that's exactly where God wants you He wants you deserted enough so that you can lean on him. But fertile enough so that you can be strong enough to empower somebody else. Oh, if you're looking for God, if you're waiting for God rather to place you in a completely fertile place, you will always miss your opportunity to make a difference. If you're saying, God, I've got so much famine in my life that I can't help somebody else over here. You are missing the point. The place is it's it's deserted and it's green. And God is saying that's the place where your power is activated. That is the place where I want you to lean on me for your strength. And for your daily food and your daily bread. But I want you to be empowered and you give the multitude something to eat. I feel like somebody in here has been walking through life and you feel like you don't have it all together. And I'm saying that's right where he wants you. You're not supposed to have it all together. You look at pastor and his family and and all the things around us and you say they've got it all together. What are you talking about? You sound like my my, my kids. Kids think that everything is grand. No matter where they live, no matter how they grow up, they think mom and dad have everything. Everybody exists in a place of tension between our famine and our fertile place. And if you think the pastor Waited until everything was fertile to make a difference. You've missed the whole thing. And you are sitting here today because God called a family down here to make a difference, not when everything was fertile, because we went to a place where we didn't know anybody. And it was, it felt deserted, it felt lonely. But we had enough green grass. Oh, y'all ain't with me. To say, I'm gonna make a difference because somebody in Charlotte is praying for a church. Somebody is praying for a place where they can find their purpose. Out of the thousands of churches, hundreds of churches in our area, somebody is praying for a place. That they can connect to. And and, and it's tailored to how they want to worship God. And how they want to connect. And link isn't for everybody. But it's for you. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and it's for a lot of people out there. And so they're in this place of famine. And in this fertile place. And and I want to tell you that God will cause your grass to turn green when he wants you to make a difference. He'll he'll show you opportunities, and he'll turn the grass green. And I was looking in the text for a miracle. I I was trying to find where Jesus supernaturally turned the grass green, and I couldn't find it. I couldn't find a place where the grass was once brown. And as they started to work through the miracle, it turned green. But I found that the grass was always green. They just didn't notice it. What is green in your life? The devil wants you to think that your life is all famine and dry. But I want to sit right here because I feel like this is good. I feel like there is something green something growing in your life and if you would nurture what is green God will cause a supernatural breakthrough and an opportunity for you to make a difference let me keep pushing so so I believe this text is all about economics it's it's simple Economics, the story of the five loaves of and two fish that Jesus uses to feed over 5000 people is economics. What are what is what is economics? Before I go into economics, we see in the text that. uh, How should I do this? We've got two kingdoms going on. In the text, y'all with me today? Can y'all work through this? In the text, we've got two kingdoms. We've got the kingdom of heaven because Jesus is present. And we've got an earthly kingdom because the disciples are present. And the disciples exist in an earthly realm. And Jesus exists in his heavenly realm. So you've got the kingdom of heaven and an earthly kingdom. Two kingdoms. And, And the thing about it is... The church's job is to bring the kingdom of heaven down to earth. That's why when Jesus taught us how to pray, he says, You should pray in this manner Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom, oh, y'all ain't with me. Thy kingdom. Yeah, y'all got it. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, which lets us know that we exist in an earthly realm. But God reigns in an earthly realm and in a heavenly realm. But our job as Christians is to bring the kingdom of heaven down to earth. That's why when you pray, you're trying to pray that we have heaven on earth. That God would send a revival on your job. A revival in your family. A revival in your church. That we would have heaven on earth. This is exemplified and displayed in John's writing in Revelation. Because it's all about the kingdom of heaven coming down. And the kingdom of heaven does not fully come down until the last days. In the last days, John records in Revelation... That, that Christ comes down to save his Jewish people mainly after the tribulation and he, and he binds the devil for a thousand years. Y'all ready for Bible study? I, 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 just, I just need to throw this in because it's killer in the text. It, it just ties to the text that, that in the last days, Jesus sets up his earthly realm, the millennial kingdom, that for a thousand years, Jesus reigns on earth. Yeah. Right after the tribulation period, he binds the devil um, and throws him into the bottomless pit and he falls for a thousand years. But after the thousand years, the devil comes back and there is a big battle. And that's when the devil, hell, is thrown into the lake of fire. So Jesus, after the tribulation, sets up heaven on earth. Right. And John says, even after the millennial kingdom. That once Satan is thrown into the into the lake of fire, that he looks up and he says, behold, I see a new heaven and a new earth. And I see a city coming down out of heaven. That's the new Jerusalem. He sees the city coming down out of heaven because it's God's intention that heaven collide with earth. Oh, so in the text now, we've got two kingdoms. We've got I'm going to do this here, y'all, because I brought I brought I brought some. I brought some stuff to do an illustration. Because the text is about economics and we have two kingdoms. I want to show you both kingdoms. This right here represents the earthly kingdom. This represents what the disciples see. This represents what the average Bible reader sees in the text. You see uh, a multitude of people, over 5,000 people, and this is economics. You got supply and demand. Supply and demand. Are the foundation of economics and they transcend any kingdom whether you're talking about the earthly kingdom or the heavenly kingdom they operate through the laws of supply and demand you've got over 5,000 people who are in demand of food they're hungry it's empty there's no supply you've got a little boy that brings his lunch five loaves of bread two fish it's, it's a little bit of supply. So in the earthly realm, you've got this situation where you've got only five loaves of bread and two fish, and you're trying to use five loaves of bread and two fish to feed over 5,000 people. All right. So in economics... When you don't have enough supply to meet your demand, you have an economic shortage. Y'all see it in the text that that if you're looking at it. From an earthly kingdom standpoint, you've got an economic shortage. You don't have enough supply. I got some young people in the room. I'm giving you all some economics today so that you can just be smarter than all the kids in your class because y'all not doing economics yet. But y'all know this, that it's about supply and demand. There is not enough supply to meet the demand in the earthly realm. And so you have an economic shortage. How is God going to do this? And the problem in the text is that the disciples don't believe that they can feed the multitude because they're existing in the earthly kingdom. But I want to show you all this. Oh, I want to show you all this. Because in the heavenly kingdom, mm -hmm, in, in God's kingdom, you've got it reversed. Yeah, because when God looks at this, He says, I've got an economic surplus because I'm the God of all creation and I have endless supply. And when I look at the multitude of over 5,000 people, I see little demand. And and in the kingdom of heaven, you've got a big God. And when he looks at your situation, he says, I could fix that easy you got a little demand and the question to you as it relates to your ability to make a difference is how are you looking at your situation? It's simple economics. Are you looking at it through your earthly kingdom mindset or are you looking at it through the eyes of God? Because when God looks at the multitude and he sees that there are over 5,000 people, he says I am God and I can take five loaves of bread and two fish and when i'm god and i look at five loaves of bread and two fish they look like this to me Mm -hmm. they don't look like how you see it they look like this to me because i'm able to take the five loaves of bread and the two fish and i'm able to do this yeah oh rose gonna get mad at me if you look in the text there there is an overflow there is more where that came from and y'all are looking at your five loaves of bread and two fish and saying God I can't make a difference and he's trying to tell you there is more where that came from because if you go to the end of the text you will see that God Jesus feeds the multitude and they are full. But he doesn't stop there. The Bible says that they had 12 baskets full remaining. I'm talking about the overflow that spills out. That God won't just give you mm-hmm, enough to fill your demand. But he'll start using your purpose. And, and, and it'll start leaking From your little cup, it'll start leaking onto the table and then it'll start dripping onto the floor. It'll start creating a legacy in your life. That's why you need to work in your purpose because it's not just for you. It's for everybody connected to you. And so you get filled. The table gets wet. And the floor receives the overflow. And I want to tell you that your grandkids are waiting on you to get filled with the supply of God. Your grandkids are pulling on you. They're not even born yet Uh uh-huh your family even if you don't have kids those connected to your purpose they're your spiritual kids and if you don't make a difference here then you can't connect to those people there and then those people can't connect to those people there and that's what's gonna cause link to make a difference in our community difference in our schools difference in our city is if you get full Mm-hmm. And make a difference in somebody else. They get full and it spills <laughs> to somebody else. And I want to ask you a question. Can you, are you willing to give God your lunch? This little boy is, has the only food in the area. And he is willing to give God his lunch he trusts God with his lunch the text doesn't tell us if that's all the food he has the text doesn't tell us if his mama would get upset if he gave away his lunch but he is willing to give away his lunch cuz i want to tell you that when you give away your lunch there is more where that came from you're afraid to use your purpose But there is more where that came from. And the boy is leaving with more than he had going in. And he has access to 12 baskets full. Because there's more where that came from. And I want to pull on your purpose right here. And and I want to pull on what God wants to do in your life because God wants to take what you have. And the Bible says he took the five loaves of bread and the two fish. The Bible says he blessed it, then he broke it and he gave it away. When you give God your purpose, he's going to bless it. But he's also going to break you. Yeah. He's going to break you. And he's also going to give you away. You've got to be willing to say, God, use me. I'm willing to be given away. I'm willing to be used. So that whatever I have. Can make a difference in somebody else's life and I'm telling you it's simple economics yeah. that if you would see that God is able to supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory it's simple economics if you're able to see that God will do exceeding abundantly above all you could ask or think you'll see it's simple economics if you can say like David that the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want you'll realize that in the kingdom of heaven it's simple economics God will never run out of supply He wants to use your little lunch to make a difference. And I want to push you today and say to you, Link is the deserted and grassy place. (laughs) Because Link is filled with people. Link isn't totally green. But it's not totally in famine either. That link is the place where miracles happen. Link is the place where a couple of people come together and say, I'm going to give God my lunch, my time, my gift, my purpose. I'm going to join a small group. I'm going to lead a small group. I'm going to bring somebody to church. I'm going to do whatever I can. I'm going to encourage somebody during the week because I live In this simple place of economics, that if I can just make a difference, then God will supply. Everyone stand because I'm done. We hope you've enjoyed today's podcast. For more information about Link Church, you can visit us on the web at www.linkchurchnc.org.